You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider of the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the driven. And joining me as usual on this last episode of Solar Insiders for 2021 is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, we've made it through the year. <laughs> That's right, mate. May I, may I start out by saying uh, what a pleasure and an honour it has been to do another year of podcast with you, my old friend. Um, here we are. We're all exhausted and worn out and it's hot and, um, you know, everything. We had a mini tornado just to finish the year off up here on the weekend. Um, but uh, to you, my friend, congratulations. Well done. We made it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Look, it's been great having you on board as well, Nigel. Um, I think the honour is all mine. Um, I bow to your superior knowledge, and you actually know stuff about this 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 subject that we talk about. I just huff and puff and bluff along. Um, but also, I'd just like to thank our sponsors um, uh, and all our listeners um, out yeah. there. I mean, I think more than 110,000 downloads this year um, nice. of this podcast, which is very nice. Um, so thanks, everyone. Um and um, it's, no, it's just great. It's um, it's been a um, it's been a really interesting year, as we're about to find out with our sort of highs and lows and the best and worst of the year. Indeed, indeed, I think that's yes. a great way to wrap up the year. Is you know what TF happened? <laughs> Did you have to think about those initials? What yeah, TF? I had to was... work out. I said. I said to work out what they meant, but um, <laughs> I haven't actually. Just... Normally, people go what the. Yeah, sorry, self-censoring, it's out of the ordinary for me. Yeah, no, no, it's very out of the ordinary, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where are we going to um, start? No, we're going to thank our sponsors properly this time, um, Clenergy and Sunwiz and Solar Analytics. Thanks, guys, for being on board this year. Um, really appreciate your support and hopefully to see you all back again in 2022. Yeah. There you go. Now, where are we going to start, Nigel? Um, we've got, um, um, geez, um, why don't you introduce the first? We've got, we've got some prizes and some, some highs and lows and some categories and things like that. Um, most yeah. intriguing story of the year. Well, why don't you pop off first on the most intriguing story of the year? Well, all right. And, and you know, you're right. I, I think it was interesting to break the year up and think about it in, you know, chunks of, you know, stuff that happened. And I think intriguing was the one that really got me because uh, I'm going to announce my most intriguing story for the year winner, which was the PV manufacturing renaissance in Australia, or at least the announcements of it. Um, we had Tindo Solar, the sort of genuine, legit, Aussie favourite down in Adelaide there who refurbed and rebuilt a brand new 150 megawatt factory. Terrific, terrific effort on their part after many years of, of hard work and expansion and everything else. But 
we were swamped in PV manufacturing announcements. Uh, M Square Energy announced they were going to build another factory. Um, I visited their small one that they've had running for a little while, but haven't seen any more announcements about the new one that they were t- they've been talking about for a while. SunDrive Solar, which was the ex-UNSW announcements, they hit a milestone and produced their first module recently and are talking about manufacturing capability as well. Um, RTE, uh, <clears throat> which is right out of left field, announced an 830 megawatt heterojunction factory in Townsville, hmm. which just I'm digging deep on because it blows my mind, frankly, uh, mm-hmm. for a whole lot of reasons. But uh, there you go. And Andrew Forrest, uh, Twiggy, of course, announced that he was intending to to get one gigawatt of, of thin film, as we discussed in a previous episode. So to me, given that we've got all these announcements about PV manufacturing in Australia, only a year ago, we had basically one little factory. So to me, that's the most intriguing story for the year. And the beautiful irony of this, of course, is that it's actually because the cost of electricity is actually falling um, thanks to um, the fall in solar and wind. And there's now this great advantage then in Australia becoming this low-cost manufacturer of just green energy and also green products. And I'd just like to add another possible solar PV manufacturing facility um, to your list. Oh. And that's the manufacturing facility that's going to appear in Darwin. Um, now, whether that's going to be set up by Sun Cable or whether it's going to be the blokes from 5B. Uh, we had Chris McGraw on the other day. They're clearly gearing up for a big increase in manufacturing. They've just brought out, bought out um, an governmental block um, um, Excel, IXL Solar yep. to increase their cap- um, manufacturing capability. And clearly, if you're going to have 20 gigawatts of solar up in the Northern Territory, then you might as well have some local manufacturing up there because, um, and I think that's their big plan. So we could actually become, Australia could actually become quite a major manufacturing hub. Well, that'll be really, really interesting to see. And, um, you know, there's, I'm, I'm with you, you know, the opportunities for green hydrogen and low-cost energy and all those kinds of things are, are out there. Um, you know, Martin's green projection, Martin Green's projections that, you know, will be at 10 cents a watt before very long and 5 cents a watt is achievable and probable on uh, great solar business uh, kind of blows my mind because there's some big challenges to get our price down that low in Australia, given our location and our scale. But, you know, fingers crossed. And, you know, renaissance of Australian PV manufacturing, bring that on. They'll need an old guy who's been, done it before. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be you. Are you going to be foreman, are you? Going to sort of be out there on the floor, out, out there Something. on the floor, parking orders? <laughs> no, no. Don't put me near the line, for goodness sake. But, you know, some cranky old guy in the corners saying, oh, I've done this before. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was the most intriguing. What about what about bigger stuff ups, mate? You, you, we've got a few lists. Oh, hang on, I haven't. I, I haven't finished. Oh, I have not stop, finished. Stop. Oh, here mate. I am, racing to the end of the year. Go I on, have not tell finished. me. Absolutely. Well, no, you had the PV manufacturing as your winner. Then you had the follow up with Martin Green's projection of five cents of what? I'd just like you to expand on that actually just a little bit, and then I'm going to give you my winner and runner up. Oh, well, um, uh, quite simply, uh, Martin came on. We had a great chat about, you know, where PV cost was going. Ten cents was, you know, clearly on the roadmap. And um, I challenged him, can it go lower than that? And he said, yeah, five cents. 
Well, it's interesting. And even the coalition seems to have caught on. I think that's got to be one of the most intriguing things. I'm actually going to change my order and change my thing because you already had the manufacturing stuff. So my most intriguing thing was the actual federal, the coalition government coming out and saying, <laughs> well, yes, let's have the ultra cheap solar of 15 cents a kilowatt hour. And they've True. got this 30, 30, 30, 30, and I can't remember, um, one of the 30s is uh, 30 cents or what manufacturing. Um, by 2030, I can't actually work out, maybe it's 30% efficiency or something like that. Um, but they've got, um, you know, you, well, they only operate in sort of three or four word slogans, so 30, 30, 30, they probably haven't worked out what it actually means yet to fill in. But um, that's, that's pretty amazing. And the other thing that I find is most intriguing, but most wonderfully marvellous, is just the fact that everyone seems to accept now that we're heading towards 100% renewables, or as near as damn it. We've got um, AEMO coming out in its integrated system plan. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's step change scenario, um, which was the outlier just two years ago, is now the central scenario and the one that everyone's going to be baking and making their plans on, including, importantly, the regulators. That's really important. And that assumes a 79% share of renewables by 2030, going up towards 100% by 2040 and so on. I mean, it might not be 100%, it might be 97, 98, but, you know, they get these sort of droughts, it might get a bit of other stuff sort of um, being switched on from time to time. But they've also got this new scenario, which is this hydrogen superpower, which I bet in two or four years' time is going to be the new central scenario because we are going to make that transition. The cost of wind and solar are going to fall so much. We are going to see a whole bunch of green industries here, including PV manufacturing, but it's going to be green steel and green aluminium. And we've actually got COVID, Dave Margri from uh, Bloomberg NEF talking on the Energy Insiders podcast. If you want to have a listen to that. Um, that's pretty interesting. And then you've got Labor that's actually gone and stuck its head up above AEMO and talked about an 82% target uh, of renewables by um, or, or assumption by 2030. And even the federal coalition government, you know, you go back sort of three years to the last election, they're talking about 50% being economy reckoned. Wrecking. Well, their target assumes 69% renewables, or their modelling assumptions assume 69% renewables by 2030. And if you go back even further, Nigel, you know, back to 2010, they thought 2% was too much or 10% was too much. We've had um, right. um, Trevor St. Baker talking about, well, you can't have 50% instantaneous at any time, otherwise the grid will fall down. Well, you know, we're now getting to the stage where we're going to have 100% renewables across the whole grid, not just in South Australia and other places. So, just remarkable, just the change in thinking and the change in assumptions now, and everyone just realises we're actually, this is where we're going, and it really is just a question of how quickly we get there, um, and, and that really kind of lay, lies down on how we get the infrastructure done, the rules set, whether the federal government takes their bollards and they can get, get out of the way, um, or do they just sort of let this happen? Because, um, you know, going back to this PV manufacturing, it's not just that. It's going to be green steel. It's going to be green aluminium. We're actually going to have a manufacturing advantage over China, thanks to the low electricity costs, thanks to wind and solar. And um, it's going to happen. There you go. Wow, that was long-winded. Yeah, well, yeah, well spot on. And I'm, I'm with you because, you know, uh, when the Conservative Coalition Party, who's hated solar for so long, comes out and says, oh, more or less 70% within a few years, you know what that means. It's going to be way over 70%. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and it's going to steamroll them. And and so you know, if they think it's seventy percent, by gosh, wait, let's let's. This is going to be exciting for years. Well, it could be. It could be. Um, if they, they 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 do have to get those damn bollards out of the way, though, Nigel. Um, and those bollards being the sort of lack of investment in the infrastructure, the sort of the inertia that's happening at regulatory level, because the oh. regulators oh. are still sort of dumbstruck by the fact that oh. there's actually there's no environmental. Oh. Cause or consideration in the rules of the market, and as long as that's not involved, then um, all the decisions or many of the decisions that are going to be made are going to be pretty damn dumb. Well, what a perfect segue to our second topic, which is the biggest stuff up for the year, <laughs> right? <laughs> Talk about bollards, Jeepers Talk about bollards. And now and was, I'm looking at the list. We've kind of reversed ours. I've got mine number one as DC isolators, only because I I, I have palpably felt the pain. <laughs> of, of of people actually having to deal with what is undoubtedly the dumbest, stupidest, most ridiculous uh, decision this year uh, that actually doesn't change very much at all. It doesn't in, actually enhance safety. It got complicated by political issues. It got complicated by power struggles between regulators and safety regulators. And the net result is all it did was was consumed a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy from a whole lot of people at the worst possible time um, and, and, and has messed up what was a busy potential time of year anyway. So DC isolators for the win for the biggest stuff up closely followed by the solar tax announcement. Well, you go no, because I've actually, I've, I've, I've actually changed my winner and and, oh. and runner up. I changed it about twenty five oh. seconds ago in my mind. Oh. So, um. yeah. This is live, <laughs> listeners live. Well, the solar yeah, tax we, announcement, it's, of course, it's, it's it's proof, Nigel, that we do make it up as we go. But there you go. <laughs> That's for sure, there's no script here, listeners. The solar tax announcement was, you know, look, the theory of user pays um, is, you know, I don't have a big problem with the theory of user pays. And, you know, if we need investment decisions, we need incentives to drive investment in different ways, no worries. And we had a big episode with some great guests discussing, you know, the pros and cons of the solar tax. And I think everyone was kind of on the fence that, you know, look, at the end of the day, 150 bucks isn't going to change the economics of a solar system. So, you know, if that's what it takes, okay, it's not great. Uh, I note uh, the U.S. industry is up in arms at the moment about the fact that they've effectively got a similar thing. It's not called the solar tax, but effectively they've been hit with a similar thing that's going to add about 60 bucks to the cost of a solar system uh, in in one or two U.S. states, I believe. And, um, you know, the irony is that that amount of money is barely going to pay the administrative cost of issuing, issuing the invoice. Um, so, you know, it all gets a bit stupid when you're at these levels. But um, I think the solar tax was just delivered badly and a confusing message and freaked everyone out. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it talks to a whole lot of issues around equity or, or inequity around, you know, uh, solar generation costing theoretically the network which is what bruce mountain discussed was you know we don't mm -hmm. really know that it's costing the networks all these things but they say it is so yeah but we know that there's load out there that's costing the network a lot of money so you know where's the equity uh in this discussion so the solar tax was delivered badly it freaked people out i saw multiple in fact there was a webinar just the other week about people arguing how they can discuss with customers 
not to worry about the solar tax and that it's not coming for a bunch of years and there's still a whole lot of work to be done. But it it hit us at the worst possible time in a bad year, in a tough year anyway. So, you know, that was uh, runner up for the biggest stuff up. Well, there you go. That's not a bad pair. That's not a bad pair. Look, my winner, because um, I just heard myself mention it um, about 10 minutes, five minutes ago, was the lack of the environmental um, component in the National Electricity Rule. So the, the mm. Energy Security Board, which includes all the um, the main bodies there, I mean, they had an opportunity in rewriting the energy rules to actually fix the greatest emission from the National Energy um, uh, Market Rules, which has put in an environmental component. Because we've seen so many decisions over so many years um, basically being faulty because they take no um, account of emissions. And we're seeing this sort of replayed once again. Let's remember that the environmental rules were actually written into the original um, design of the national electricity market in the late 1990s. And somehow, and quite deliberately, they were taken out by the Howard government just before it became law. And no one can seem to remember exactly quite how or why that happened. Well, we can imagine why. So the fact that this has not been front and centre of the rewrite of the market rules and they've all been sort of humming and ahhing and, 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 and stuff about you know, capacity markets and things like that, if you had an environmental component of the national electricity rules, then you wouldn't be worried about capacity markets and coal keeper and all that sort of crap. You'd actually be moving on and working out what we need to do to reduce emissions and um, that would solve almost all the problems that we are facing in the design and the running and the regulation of the market. So that's a um, that's a big emission. A big that's a good up. one. That's a good one yeah, because got... you know in the environment kind of has been pushed aside in the whole energy debate, right? You know, I mean, yeah. there's, you know, we talk about carbon every now and again, but you know, all these bollards as you as you describe them keep popping up in the way, and the environment keeps kind of getting pushed out of the way. But at the end of the day. Um, yeah. you know, massive big win for solar and other renewables. Absolutely. And let's remember that the only jurisdiction that actually prices carbon in any sort of form as, as it affects the solar industry is Victoria, which actually Victoria, has an explicit, yeah. an explicit price on carbon in its feed and tariff, which just means it's just a little bit higher than it is in other states. Um, so um, they yeah, account good, for it. good they on them for doing it. it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Now, my joint runners up, uh, because we're on the uh, subject of taxes, I just wanted to make, make mention the, um, I'll just praise Victoria. Now I'm going to sort of damn them with the uh, vehicle, with the electric vehicle road tax. Classic and just about solar as, insiders. Know, classic solar <laughs> insiders. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, what a really dumb decision. I mean, okay, we understand that over the long term, the sort of the revenue has got to change and everything like this, but this is just a blatant and naked money grab. It's just really stupid. It's just such a bad signal. It was just implemented so badly, so inefficiently. I mean, just an absolute cluster um, what was the letter again? F. Um, yeah, it's just um, anyway. And the other one, I, I, I mean, for big stuff ups, you just can't go past Angus Taylor and his damn gas bloody, you know, gas will be great again. And they say, well, batteries aren't any good because they don't last long enough. And, um, um, you know, they won't keep the lights on over a season. So what does he do? He pays Snowy Hydro to build a gas plant at Curry Curry which doesn't even have access to a gas pipeline and can only store enough gas to have the damn thing working for six to eight hours. I mean, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, well, that's actually having to guess it because it probably have to use diesel, but even then it hasn't got much to last over six to eight hours. I mean, you know, I mean, stupid in every possible way that you could imagine 
the word stupid to be. I mean, dumb as all hell. <laughs> Suit snowy hydro, just for the reason that it's like one of those things that you can build. You don't actually have to switch on, but the fact that it's there gives is you Angus power the market. Has Angus Taylor hit peak stupid, do you reckon? With current <laughs> I've got to say, I've got to say, it's one of those square things, you know. It's sort of like um, he hit peaks, dude. He, it, it's like he's got um, he, he's, he's got he's, he's got those some. Oh god, I can't even think what um, he's got. He's got solar tracking, so he hits peak in the middle. He peaks. He hits peak early in the day, and he's got the solar trackers that just sort of follow stupid all the way through the day up until the evening, until he sort of packs up and goes home again. So oh, he's dear. he's got a, he's got a stupid tracking device in his um in his portfolio. It's um. Amazing. I think I better stop there, Nigel. Yeah, yeah let's move on yeah. to the next one. All right, all right. <laughs> Best market, technology, or product innovation for the year. And um, I'm actually going to hand this to a state government. Um, now, it's, it's kind of double-edged because they kind of didn't do it, uh, but they had the idea. Uh, so South Australia's dynamic export control, uh, I'm giving that the win because that was truly... At a, at a distributed generation level, truly globally innovative. Let's not switch solar systems off if we need to. Let's let's take advantage of them. Let's let's dynamically ramp them up and down. Let's make them intelligent. Let's leverage the intelligence that a lot of inverters have got these days, and really, really take advantage of uh, the energy that we can get from them when we need it, and ramping them down when we don't need it, and do that cleverly and intelligently, and leverage everything that we've got out there. Sadly, they were late in deployment. They've done a pilot trial. That's about it. Um, but the concept and the ambition, big kudos to them for doing that. Um, well, absolutely. Look, and, and, and what I find fascinating about that, because um, it was actually on top of my list, but I've just taken it off because I'm going to replace it with something else now because I'm making up as <laughs> Again, I go. This is going to Again, throw the whole okay. episode, mate. Come on. Oh, no, 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 no. But this is, this is, this is live sort of, you know, which is like something. Anyway, um, what I really like about this is the fact that they're kind of learning as they're going. And that's what's really True. fascinating about this whole transition thing. So they go, right. oh, crap, we've got this situation here. We have to switch off solar. And then they actually do that and they look at that and go, oh, that's a bit brutal, isn't it? Um, <laughs> they come up and go, well, let's think of a better better idea. And yeah. that's kind of what they're doing. So yeah. um, them. I mean, some people like them to go faster. Some people like them to be more sophisticated, but they do. Got to keep the lights on. So, look, you know, kudos, kudos. They're sort of, um, you know, uh, I think there's a genuine effort there to work out how to uh, how to manage this. And Indeed. no one, no one thought that we would be managing 100% rooftop solar ever. That's People it. thought 100% wind and solar, big things that you can kind of control or you think you can control. But rooftop solar, 100% rooftop solar matching demand, no. Nah. That was never on the agenda, but here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And, and of course, phase two of this experiment, or, or le- learning, as you well put it, is about to happen in the new year in WA. Uh, they released a, um, a, a video briefing on Saturday or Friday um, uh, explaining how things are going to work in WA as well. So, you know, they're, they're going to follow the lead by that South Australia laid down as well. A few tweaks and mm. adjustments, but um, we're going to see the same type of thing happening in WA and undoubtedly in other states as well. Mm. Good one. Now, what's your runner-up? Well, my runner-up, and this is going to sound like a gratuitous plug for solar analytics, but I have to it's say... It's certainly what it looks like. It's, 
It's kind of what it looks like. But here's here's the honest here's the honest here's the honest thing, right? In in many many years, I have not seen anybody except the company that I happen to work for come out with a product that helps owners just ramp up their solar savings, right? Do something really, really clever to go, we're going to get your savings through solar, but how can we leverage that up? And Plan Optimizer that we launched this year does that. What it does is it addresses the sort of elephant in the room that consumers and solar business have had to deal with for years and years and years. And that is, okay, you can get savings from solar, but the tariff really matters. Which tariff are you on? Which retailer are you on? It's going to change constantly. How are you going to deal with that? And and credit to the geniuses in um, the back office at Solar Analytics for coming up with Plan Optimizer. I think it's one of the cleverest things in terms of helping millions of homeowners potentially uh, to you know not just get their solar savings, but to ramp it up and make sure they're on the best tariff automatically with a click of a button. I love it. I think it's really, really clever. And I just, that when I thought about this, I thought I haven't seen another product that leverages solar savings for consumers and outsmarts the MFs so that, you know, you, that's another one for you. An MF. Outsmarts them so that, you know, they can change tariffs as frequently or as regularly as they like and you can outsmart them just with a click of a button. I love it. I thought you were talking about multifunction policies there for a moment. No, but, uh, no it wasn't no, that. It wasn't no. that. No, 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 no. Look, I think this is a really good opportunity to get a word from one of our sponsors. Planergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Planergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And, of course, thanks to all our sponsors for 2022, once a, for 2021 and hopefully 2022. Once again, um, Solar Analytics, Clenergy and uh, SunWiz. Um, I think it's my turn for the best uh, market technology or product innovation for the year, and I'm going to nominate grid-forming inverters. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, not because they're completely new, because they've kind of been around for a while, but there just Mm. seems to be this great realisation this year of its potential and just to the extent of what they can do. So we've seen, you know, so grid-forming inverters, or virtual synchronous machines, it's kind of this realisation that battery, or particularly battery inverters, but really most other inverters as well, but battery inverters in particular can have a provide so many of the services, including system strength, needed to run the grid, which basically means you can actually move on from the fossil fuel generators. And we're starting to see that in South Australia now where the amount of gas generators have been reduced to the bare minimum simply because they've become more accustomed to having um, other things provide system strength services. In that case, it's the synchronous condensers, which are big spinning machines, but they understand there's going to be battery storage and battery inverters. And so we're starting to see already, just in the last month or so, we're seeing a new solar farm in the Linter grid at Newman. So basically, we're seeing solar backed up by a battery and battery performing inverters at the Newman battery, powering Australia's biggest iron ore mines with solar only during the day. Amazing if you think about that. 
I love it. Tom, Tom, Tom Price, Rio Tinto, um, they're building a new battery as well. Same principle. And they're saying that what they're going to be able to do there is going to be replicable on the main grid. And ditto with Darwin. So they've just announced the winner of the tender for the Darwin battery. It's Hitachi Energy. They're talking about grid forming inverters. They will say uh, a battery battery inverters on, 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 on grid forming inverters on the, back, on the battery doing exactly the same thing because New Northern Territory has got a target of 50% renewables now. There's basically no wind out up there that's worth exploiting. Solar is going to be the cheapest. So really to get to 50% renewables by 2030, basically it's going to be solar during the day. And you're going to have solar and no gas and basically backed up with these batteries, providing all the grid services, filling in the gaps if there's clouds coming past, but more importantly, providing the grid services. And that's just fantastic. And that would then be replicated throughout the whole grid. And it's just this big leap towards 100% renewable and another reason why you don't need to hang on to coal generators any more than we would need their energy. So there you go. Love Does it. sound good? Yep. Oh, oh, um, I love it. I love it. And the second one is vehicle to load. And that's only because I just spent um, you know, that afternoon a couple of weeks ago in Centennial Park boiling a kettle with the Ionic <laughs> 5. And, um, a cup of tea. Oh, that's all it took to get you going. I made myself a cup of tea with the car, and I just thought, how good is that, you know? Um, and look, there's going to be another vehicle-to-load tech, um, car coming out. Um, well, I think most of them coming out in the next couple of years are going to have vehicle-to-load uh, of some form or another. Um, vehicle-to-grid is kind of like the big long-term plan, but I think there's going to be some sort of issues there about sort of, you know, protocols and marrying it in with the grid and not scanning the networks and the market operator about the sort of, you know, the way that sort of response, uh, but vehicle to load is just this wonderful thing um, that people can use, just run a power cord out to the car if you've lost power at home, which so many people did in Sydney last week. Uh, wouldn't that have been useful um, for it? many people? Yep, I should, absolutely. I should have driven the live wire down the road and vehicle to loaded. <laughs> Here, come on. Where's come the on. kettle? Where's that kettle? Where's that kettle? Um, so there exactly. you go. So that's such a good practical that's... use, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a great runner-up. Absolutely. There you go. Okay. Good. We've we've got one more. We've got two more. Memorable oh. things. Memorable oh. things next. Um, oh, my God, we do too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, most memorable thing, and I and I did say good or bad, and I've 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 got a good and a bad. I, uh, the bad was the passing of Gavin uh, Gavin Cant um, uh, due to COVID last year, and Gavin was one of those giants of the solar industry and loved by everyone um, and, and tragic um, passing um, of, of Gavin that, that, you know, I keep being reminded of and, you know, there's a gap in our world and um, like so many other people who've been lost and we haven't even talked about, of course, that, that pandemic, but of course the pandemic was, was an absolute shocker and the passing of Gavin really brought it home for me. So that was, that was the worst thing that happened, the most memorable worst thing that happened um, last year for me. Runner-up, uh, you bored me to death with broken records for uptake, uh, highest uptake, lowest uptake, PV capacity, energy delivered into the grid. I mean, we just we smashed every single record from the highs to the lows, in you know, which is a perfect sort of segue for or, or description of what the year was like really so um yeah. that was but you know life. what 
Yeah, but you know what? That award goes to everybody out there because basically it's a result of all the solar panels that were installed over last year and there was about three gigawatts since 12 months ago. That's why the records have fallen and been smashed in every state basically over spring. Um, so that's a record that is shared and by every household and every business that's installed solar and all the installers out there that have actually done it for them. So Huge um, shout out to all the tradies, especially in this weather, mate. I'm watching them sweat and, and work really, really hard. They've had a really tough year. The retail businesses, good on you. Good on yeah, you. absolutely, absolutely. And look, my um, um, winners and um, runner-up are just basically around the same thing, really. Um, and the fact that we've got to 100% solar in South Australia, we were expected to get 100% rooftop solar. Didn't quite get there, but I mean, they just said it was a possibility, not a, not a certainty. But we did get to 108%, I think, was the highest um, solar penetration in South Australia. That was a combination of rooftop and utility-scale solar. And in fact, this week, and look, it's not a confirmed number yet, but it's one that um, one reliable party has told me is that we've got to 143% renewables over demand in South Australia, which is a record. No way, wow. Yeah, 143%. And look, that's partially due to the fact that the demand was relatively low, output was really strong, but also because the gas had been just reduced to the bare minimum, just 80 megawatts, and yet there was about two gigawatts of um, wind and solar. Um, providing, um, yeah, and, and um, you know, a quarter of it being exported to Victoria. So um, quite a remarkable situation. So um, so that's good. And look, the bad thing is, ah, oh, look, I'm, this, just, this is just a late thing here. And I've just been in Sydney for a few days and driving around in the heat and the traffic and stuff like that. And you've got to applaud the New South Wales government on one hand for it's really, it's, you know, it's extraordinary infrastructure roadmap that's planned to replace coal with renewables. But Jesus, guys, I mean, this your approach to COVID and this sort of letting it rip and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know anyone who has not had to readjust their plans and sort of cancel trips, cancel parties, cancel visits, cancel God knows what, because this idea about I'll rule on our own, um, it's, um, you know, you've got to be grown up. So I'm just going to let it rip. And um, that's just a little my real big whinge um, for today and this week because... Um, I don't like it. I just think that they've got to take some responsibility and just do the bare minimum, get people to wear masks, have some sort of controls. We're not talking about lockdowns. We're just talking about, you know, the government actually taking responsibility. There you go. Here, here. Here, here. Yep. <laughs> it's, cra- it's craziness. It's craziness. We're yeah. living, in a, living in a crazy world. All right. And the last one to wrap up, uh, biggest lesson for 2022. Now, I, I I was thinking about a winner and I, I did a runner-up and I'm going to actually move my runner-up up to the winner slot because um, I couldn't think of another one that was better, really. And that Aww. is that the, the, the solar coaster, as we lovingly refer to it, is alive and well. But this industry and its customers are so resilient, just so resilient diversity wins you know and 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 chatting with lots of solar installers on the latest edition of gsb you know the 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 companies who found ways to navigate and innovate and everything else uh they've managed to survive they've got through um and um focus is so so important but this industry is tough man it's tough we go through these ups and downs and doesn't matter what we throw at um, the industry, they somehow managed to find a way and customers suddenly somehow find a way to say, get me that solar. So, you know, my winner for the biggest lesson is the solar industry is incredibly resilient. 
That's a good one. And it, it can probably be runner-up as well. It can probably finish, fill the top two places if you haven't got another, uh, another one there. But um, let me throw in mine. Um, and um, uh, we come back to Angus Taylor once again. Um, he commissioned this solid, <laughs> this solid industry um, <laughs> integrity thing. And uh, guess what? He found that it does. Um, so, um, look, always... The T-shirts are coming. The T-shirts are coming. Angus Taylor says the solar industry has integrity. <laughs> this is the man that actually the first thing he said, and almost the second thing, and the third and the fourth thing he said when he became energy minister three years ago was there's too much wind and solar on the grid. And here we are with four times as much as there was when he said that and going on to having about 20 times more. But um, he's slowly coming past it. Um, he's got another issue coming, um, Nigel, and this is one that you'd appreciate. He actually drives a Ford Everest, which is a diesel, and it's one of those diesels that relies on AdBlue, AdBlue. to actually keep. So um, he may not be driving it that long, but I think as he's down to his last couple of litres of diesel, maybe you can just pick up those bollards, which are just sort of sitting on the solar highway, and just remove them, put them in the back of the Ford Everest, take it home, and we'll arrange for him to, for an electric vehicle to be delivered, and um, he can go along happily with that. I just think that'll I, just be. I, I tell you, I mean, I, I tell you, you know, we should put it out there right now. We've been, we've been, we've beat up on poor old Gus for a whole year, probably two, um, because of some of the stupid things that he's done and said. But in fairness, you know, he's got a hard job. Politics isn't easy. So I'm going to throw it out. We should try and get him on the show. We should invite Angus, mate. We'd love to have you on. Um, we'd love to have a you know hearty debate about it. I'll come and pick you up on the Harley Livewire, hundred percent electric. Adley <laughs> doesn't bother me. I've got a spare helmet, and we'll whip you up to the studio. We'll have you on as a guest. I'll put it out there. There you go. Well, good luck with that, Nigel. Good luck with that. We have actually asked many many occasions to have him have on, uh, on Energy Insiders. In fact, we actually we, we've even asked his staff to actually acknowledge our existence and reply to our emails and um, phone calls, but um, no, nothing. Um, nothing yet. Nothing yet, okay. but um, okay. we're hopeful. Maybe, that, we're maybe hopeful. I'll get we, him we over the line with a Harley. <laughs> he could do. He could do. Um, look, my final thing, biggest lesson for 2022, and look, this could have been a lesson for every year that we in the last decade or so, but this is going quicker than you think. And um, yeah. this, is, this, is, this, is, this is great. Um, you know, the amount of effort and the thinking, the acceptance that we are transitioning now. And so the effort that's going into the solutions and the innovations and all the different things that are happening around there. Um, short, we're going to hit some bumps in the road. We've talked about the solar supply constraints. We're probably facing a short-term rise in prices for both solar energy and wind energy because of all the supply chain issues and logistics and sort of, you know, um, getting some of the materials. Uh, but, you know, the, the medium long-term trend is just, you know, it, 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 there's just no doubt about it. Uh, it is no going doubt. quicker than you think, and it could go even quicker if we got yep. those coming back to those damn bollards. Yeah, <laughs> Someone get rid of those bollards. <laughs> anyway, Nigel, any final thoughts? Uh, yes, I'd like to thank uh, Angelini, our wonderful producer, who, um, without a hint of complaint, has just, you know, made us sound like professionals all year long year after year after year, pulled together, you know, last minute uh, stuff ups on our behalf. Uh, she uh, is, is wonderful and quiet and humble and hiding in the background there. And, and we couldn't have done this without you. So to our producer, Anne Delaney, thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to clarify, there was just a little hint of one complaint, I think, at least sometimes. But uh, there you go. It's all good. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> 
We're not easy. And, um, no, we're not easy to deal with. And uh, we can be really frustrating because we don't take instructions very well. Um, but we promise to do better in 2022. No, so thanks very much, Anne, for um, your work. Um, um, on this episode, on this podcast, and also um, Energy Insiders, uh, and great solid business too. I mean, the editing work that she did with your um, excellent last episode of all the interviews was was just fantastic. Mm. Um, so um, there you go. Yep. And so, Nigel, once again, um, thanks to everyone out there who's been listening all year. As we said, more than 110,000 downloads, which is just fantastic, very gratifying for an um, industry podcast. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Sunwiz, um, Solar Analytics and Clinergy. Really appreciate your support. Glad that um, I think you're all drawing in staying with us next year. And Nigel, what's the plan over Christmas and New Year? Oh, mate, I get to meet my grandson for the first oh. time, week with my oh. daughter and, and my grandson. That's that's the highlight. Everything else pales into insignificance to, to your very first grandchild. But, um, yeah, I've got a good break coming up. I've got three weeks off, and I'm looking forward to a little bit of everything. That's fantastic. Well, um, enjoy that. Um, we look forward to our break as well, and I think we're going to be back at the end of January or something like that then, Nigel. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. That sounds like a plan. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All the best for the season. Stay safe, everyone. And um, we'll be back in 2022. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.